and for me. Welcome to Leaders and Learners. My name is Tanya McKenzie, and you can find me at the intersection of public relations and leadership. Join us as we talk to organizational leaders, elected officials, experts, authors, artists, and personalities sharing their stories, talking about how they got to where they are and how they continue to learn and lead the way. So without further ado, let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of Leaders and Learners, where we know that the best leaders are lifetime learners. And today I have someone for you to learn from. I call it the art of the pivot. So I have known this person for a while. Um, he's one of my fraternity brothers. You guys know how I love the D9 and to shine light on all of their accomplishments. He was a college coach. And then things took a change. So I'm going to let him tell his story. But what I do love about um, this guest is there's no fear in trying something new um, and something new that can become something great. Uh, he's not afraid to ask for help, which I think a lot of y'all can learn from. And you know, really stepping into his strength. So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome Mr. Uh, Tomeskin Star. How you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you, Tanya? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I am so excited to have you here because you know how I love to get in people's business. And today I get to get in yours. Um, let's go ahead and let the people know a little bit about, start from your undergraduate years and how you even wound up coaching at... Um, at the university. It's the funny. University. Um, I went to college in Columbus, Ohio, was a hockey player and who moonlighted as a cross country team member because the coach at that time was the basketball coach who was moonlighting as the cross country coach and needed a couple extra people. From there, I graduated, you know, did the thing playing hockey, you know, graduate school, all this other achievements and, you know, higher education to higher learning. And I went into education and while I was on an interview at a very small private school, the principal said, Hey, um, I see here on your resume, you played sports in college. And I said, well, yeah, you know, I did. He said, okay, great. Would you like to be the basketball coach? And I thought, and I was like, you know, I played basketball, but I'm nobody's basketball coach, but you know what? As a young 21, 22-year-old, I said, hey, how much is it? Do I have a stipend? What, what do we get? He said, yeah, you know, you of course get a stipend. And I said, sign me up. From there, I became the basketball coach. Was I ready for that leadership role? I don't necessarily think I was, but I jumped in wholeheartedly and with both feet. And, you know, like you said, I asked a lot of different coaches and we went to a couple different clinics. And at that point I was just self-proclaimed basketball, head basketball coach at the ripe old age of 21 years old. And, you know, it really gave me the opportunity to kind of move forward into that space and kind of decide, Hey, this is the area that I want to be and really grow upon that and take things to the next level at the collegiate level, university level. Um, but I was not ready for that. Uh, but, you know, here we are. So listen, one thing I know for sure is that to lead young men, there has to be a level of respect, um, a level of 
Oh God, what is even the word? A leader of a leader of leaders. That that's really what it comes down to because most college athletes have a level of leadership in them, right? In order to get to that point from high school, there is some level of leadership. What does it take to be able to be a leader of men? Hmm. What did that feel like? I think the first thing and piece of key foundation is that you have to be able to lead yourself. Number one, you can't be a leader of men or even a leader of other people if you don't have some level of respect for yourself. And that respect that you're asking for has to first be given. And you can't enter any situation, especially one of team leadership, uh, employment leadership, government levels, you can't ask for that level of respect if you're not going to give it. So I think the first thing is you have to have that foundation of respect for yourself and drawing the hard line in the sand that, hey, even though I may be new to this position, even though I may be new on the block, you're going to have to respect from respect me because of the levels of respect that I have for myself, as well as those that were given to me and bestowed upon me from the people who put me into this position of leadership. Now, listen, you coached at Montana State, correct? I did. And there are not a lot of people that look like you at Montana State. There are not a lot of people that look like me in the state of Montana. It is, uh, I do believe that they, the correct statistic is that African-American black people are less than 1% in the state. Correct. So I try to get people to understand, you don't have to like me because no. you would assume that there are plenty of people that didn't like seeing you running anything in that state. You don't have to like me, but you have to respect me. That mm -hmm. is actually something that's earned. What did you do to earn the respect of those that may not have been comfortable with you leading people that didn't look like you? Hmm. I think what, when you enter any new space, I think, and especially a space that you may look different than the norm or the general population, so to speak. Um, I think the first thing that needs to be known from your side of the table is that I'm not coming here to disrespect and or change your lifestyle in any way that is going to be indifferent for the way that you want to live. I'm coming to bring something to the table. And also get something out of the experience so that I can do my job to the best of my ability. Now, with that being said, I'm asking for your support because here's what I bring to the table. Here's what I am looking to put into the jar, so to speak. You know, I think when people realize that you are trying to add to the, the culture you know, not necessarily using the culture as the slang way that we like to use it these days. But, I, but truly, when, when people realize that you're trying to bring something of value to the situation, I do believe that there becomes a level of respect that then is not only just earned, but is also accepted. 
I think there's something similar to what you're saying in in our in our or uh, industry, public relations, mm -hmm. marketing. We always say, how can you be of service? Many times, uh, our clients want us to just pitch them and make them the star of the show. But journalists and those that will put them as the star of the show have to feel like their audience is being served. How did that experience help you move into the next phase of your life? And why aren't you coaching anymore? Well, well let's face it. Life and all situations are transactional. Let's just flat out call a spade a spade for that. So I think in the instance of uh, coaching, athletics, and even job opportunity situations, we have to realize when you are the person who is bringing a service, people have the opportunity to either, number one, say, hey, you know what? I subscribe to what it is that he brings to the table based off of, number one, what you say, number two, what you do, number three, how you follow through. Along with that, you then have the opportunity to truly make your mark on what it is that you're doing. And when you have made that mark and you can leave some bits of value that is not just shown on paper, but leaves a legacy, people then start to buy into what it is that you're doing. From there, uh, you asked an interesting question. Why is it that I'm not coaching anymore? Um, I would say, you know, there were some different uh, family reasons that I got out of coaching at that time. However, being the person that I am, and I was forged the opportunity to stay within athletics and you know, move into a more of an administrative and development role that really suited me at the time. And it was something that I enjoyed and it truly allowed me to see things from the opposite, from the other side of the fence, not even the other side of the fence, the other side of the table. Um, as coaches, as players, you're so in the trenches in battle every day that you only see just your sport, just your team. Being an administrator and in development really allowed me to see things from a grander view. I got to see things where, you know, you're looking out for not just one sport, but you're looking out for the department. How does this better service the department? How does this better service administration? How does it service the university? And what does it do, not just for this one sport, but for the student athletes? And that is where, where I really got to kind of fall in love with a little bit more with athletics because you're, you're, you're saying, hey, you're meeting people, alumni, donors, uh, other people within the community, businesses who support the university and not just support the university for a transactional opportunity, but for a, a, a for a better term, just a, a term of endearment, you know, and that allows you to say, hey, you know what, this is an instance in time that can bring us all together, both through sport, politically sometimes, but also socially, 
be it racially, be it whatever that may be, because when you fight, so to speak, hand in hand with somebody, why is it that they're your friend now, but may not be at a different time? Hmm, interesting. I want you to talk to, let's say, former athletes mm -hmm. that have struggled to move past the next level. They didn't mm. make it to the pros, but mm. they find themselves struggling mm. and can't find uh, a spot to settle, right? Well, you were coaching, you yeah. pivoted several times and then found yourself a sweet spot. Mm. What is your advice to them? Because I, not just athletes, I'd say no. like artists and people that have this vision of where they thought their life was going to be. And it wasn't there, but you can still be successful, be happy in this thing that you say you love. Talk mm -hmm. to them. What is your best advice for that? I think first and foremost, you have to have a passion. You have to be passionate about something. Uh, secondly, you know, talking to student athletes, talking to athletes, talking to just students in general, the first thing I would say is take full advantage of the opportunity or any opportunity that you have to learn. Is that always in a classroom? No, the classroom can be many other places out in the world. And one thing you have to do is you have to be able to take from every situation, every moment in time, that this is an opportunity for me to learn. This is an opportunity for me to get better. I think one of the main things that unfortunately we do not learn and are not taught in school is the the art of networking. And so many people cannot pivot because they don't know how to utilize their network, but also how to properly meet and greet people and take the time to learn what I think is one of the best attributes that you can have, and that's active listening. Can you be a good networker if you are an introvert? Because there are some really good athletes yes. that um, are not extroverts. Like, I a hundred percent, I a hundred percent believe you can be a great networker without being an extrovert. Talk us through that. You have to be able to be in the moment at that time and realize and say, hey. I may not be an extrovert. I may not be the person who is going to be the most, uh, I may not work the room 100%. I may not, I may be at a situation or a, a meet and greet where there are 50 people. I may not meet all 50 people. You don't have to meet all 50 people. But the key thing is what was said in that one conversation that was important to you and what are people saying about you after you leave that situation? But we tell people all the time, you shouldn't care about what other people think of you. So how do you- no, how do You definitely you should. Nope, 100%. You, you need to think about it. You, <laughs> I don't care if, you know, hey, I showed up, I wasn't dressed right appropriately, or, you know, sometimes come as you are is what it is, but, what, uh, again, what is the value that someone takes from the conversation that you had from them? Sometimes them? I think people network and they don't even know what they're supposed to be getting out of it, right? They don't uh -huh. just 
they're like fluttering around. They they're not sure what they want to get out of it, what they should be getting out of it. Therefore, it's an uncomfortable situation because the goal isn't clear. Like, and, and you social, talk about this. So social pollution. Yes. I like to call it social pollution. Um, when there is socialization without any intention. Oprah. I, uh, I love her to death because one thing that I know is that I truly hate meetings. I hate meetings when they don't have any intention. And from that, and I remember Oprah said, hey, my team and I never engage in any sort of a meeting where we do not set intention first. So any meeting where I'm the leader, I like to flat out say, hey, this is the intention of this meeting. Let's stay on task. Now, along with that, I like to attend situ uh, social outings, mixers, meetings, no, really? networking, anything with an intention. What am I, what, why am I going here? Because if you don't know why you're going there, it doesn't service you. Sometimes going to a friend's house may just be, hey, my friend is having a downtime. I need to be a supporter. Sometimes you may need to just get out of the house to get some air because you've been locked up for a couple of days working too hard and you need to have some sort of social interaction with someone that's going to leave a positive uh, instance in your bank. Uh, Ayala Van Zandt says it best. She said, you know, you cannot... I can't give you everything that's in my cup. My cup has to be full, but everything that comes out of my cup is what runneth over. That's what you can have. So when you are in a situation where you can give of yourself, then you do that. But at the same time, you have to be able to get something in return. I can't, I can't believe that you've always been this mature about networking. Now we're talking to people that mm, let's how do I how do I put this? Uh, you know how there's professional students, there's like professional networkers, socially professional individuals. True. I I don't think they know the balance between um, this mature way you're talking about networking and I'm going to every party just because I was invited. Oh no, no. Make no. it make sense. The the funny thing is. And you will even, I mean, some of the best PR people in the world all say, hey, you can't be everywhere and yes. expect everyone to want you. Beyond that, you can't, every situation, every outing, every, you have to be able to say no sometimes. Number one, because you have to take the time to say, what am I getting out of this? Number two, you have to have some time to think and focus on what it is that you're trying to build. And if we're talking about instances where, you know, networking is to service you, being a socialite is different than being a, an intentional networker, I would say. Being a socialite means you just like to be out and about, and it's your job to be social. 
being an intentional networker means I am utilizing this time to take something that I may give to someone else. At the same time, they may also give something to me that may service me at a later date and time. But if I keep true to the to what I'm holding as, hey, this is what I want to get out of this opportunity, great. What is your best advice for people that suffer from FOMO, fear of missing out? Because oh, they're man. looking for that right opportunity and not being at that spot where their perfect opportunity might show up. Um, they're scared of that. They're scared to miss out on whether it's socially or professionally. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss out on my big shot to impress such and such or get something from such and such. What is your best advice to um, those that suffer from FOMO? And is it in your book? And talk to us about that. Um, FOMO is not in the book. Maybe I might need to write another one. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that. People who have FOMO, and you know, there was, I think, not I think, I know I struggled with it for a Mm. certain time in my life. Um, You have to realize that FOMO is the fear of missing out. What is it that you're fearing that you're missing out? If you can't answer that question first, then you won't know how to pivot and move to something that may better service you. Secondly, you have FOMO and you're trying and you're, and you're like you said, you're you're constantly looking for that opportunity that is going to be the one that you're that you're scared to miss out on. What is it that you're missing out on? Number one. And you have to also realize that you may also be missing out on something else over here. So there's never going to be that one perfect serendipitous moment. What happens is you have all these different streams of collections of moments. That's where it all comes together. How did you do, how did you realize that you were suffering from FOMO? What what did that look like, and how did you it got me nowhere? I, yeah, I realized it was just getting me nowhere. You know, I I didn't I didn't have an intention. I was just going out and just meeting people, but. When you don't have any, and here, it's funny. I was talking to my spouse about it the other day, and we said, hey, people who don't have any ownership are just out there. So until I got into a situation where I owned something and owned a business, Mm. all the meet and greets didn't matter. You're just a worker bee up until the time that you have ownership. Mm. Because all of the different relationships and uh, networking that you've done, where has it gotten you? And if that, and if you can't be proud of the space and the moment and the place that it has gotten you to that point, you have to reevaluate what it is that you're truly doing. So talk to us about what you're doing now. And are you in a space where you feel like you are serving and being served? Absolutely. Currently uh, in the role with Star Sports Management, which is my 
my company? Uh, yes, I would say 100%. I am serving others, which makes me fulfilled because I enjoy watching and designing plans to help other people get to the space that they want to achieve. But at the same time, I'm growing something that I can be proud of and leave a legacy to my children so that they can step into a role and say, hey, or better yet, they can say, hey, that's something my dad does. That's cool. Because we have to figure out what it is that we want. Do we want just money? Are you looking for fame? Are you looking for something to hang your hat on and be proud of? When you can attest to all those different things of what it is that you want, then yeah. Tell us about the agency. What is the brand of service that you are delivering to the industry? The brand of service that I bring with Star Sports Management is we help coaches, administrators, and front office individuals reach the highest levels that they want to reach through being able to intentionally network to bring and uh, bring opportunities to the clients that they may not necessarily have gotten on their own. Intentionally network. I like that. So you walk in the room with a purpose, every room that you walk in. Yes. And sometimes walking in that room may just be to go get a cup of water. <laughs> we'll take it. What are three things that you would never want affiliated with you or associated with your Ooh. name or your brand? Ooh. Mm. Shady, lazy, incomplete. Sounds like Janky Promoters, the movie. Have you seen it? Ah, it's funny. I saw that last night. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so no Janky Promoters over here with the agency. No. I love it. So far, what has been one of your most dynamic moments in ownership and service um, with your agency? Ooh, I would say... Receiving the first phone call from a client saying, hey, I want for you to represent me, and here's why. Mm. It's everything is, everything is great. When you have outbound phone calls going to people who you want to represent, that's great. Cold calls are great. Warm calls are great. But receiving a call that you never made a call about, never had an inquiry, just a conversation, that's when I think you start to know that you've arrived and can be proud about it. Definitely a, a moment of pride. Um, mentorship, incredibly important. Who mentors you? And how have you been able to get to the position that you are in now mentally and emotionally? Because I think when it comes to business ownership, uh, we don't talk enough about the emotional toll it takes on us, the wanting to quit on a regular basis <laughs> and wanting to pull your hair out. Well, you don't have any, but I, yes, me, yes. So mentorship. Yeah, uh, it's funny. There are a couple of different mentors that I have one of which is just a business owner 
who is not in this same space. But I respect the man so much because everything he did was self-taught. Now, one thing that he also made mention and advised me on is, hey, you need to go seek out two or three people in the industry that they that you're going to and going into. From there, also learn and ask them, hey, what are the things that you would do over again? Because one, what we don't want to do is we don't want to, number one, reinvent the wheel, but we don't want to take all that nasty pitfalls initially that, like you said, will make you feel like you're in the trenches and you can't get out and you want to quit over and over again. I'd like to stack days on top of each other where I feel like every, this day I got I got 1% better, this day I got 1% better. Uh, but beyond that, some of the other, you know, I was not necessarily saying mentorship, but one thing I think all business owners and all people need to do is you need to make sure you subscribe to your mental health therapist or mental health person, somebody who's going to you know, be able to guide you through some opportunities and uh, give you opportunity to vent. And I think so many different times in our societies, we like to say, hey, uh, my mental health isn't uh, at the forefront. You can't grow and you can't move forward in any instance if you're not taking care of yourself first. Self-care is primary. So what, I would is self, what does self-care look like for someone that is, owns an agency that has such high demand? Uh, being able to know what your boundaries are. Mm. Uh, and also uh, communicate those up front with people. And one of the reasons I you know, chose to go into the industry that I am representing people is I'm re representing a more of a mature person. And being able to say that and live in that instance and in that arena, something you have to do for yourself, but you also have to have that, be able to communicate that outwardly. And until you communicate that outwardly and draw lines in the sand on, here's how we're going to work together, you're never gonna thrive. You said something about boundaries. Are those personal or professional boundaries? Gosh, I'm learning now. You have to have so many more personal boundaries than you do just professional as well. Professional, yeah, you just know people are going to try and run over you. Personal, if those are not implemented as well, they're going to spill over into your professional, which then you're going to flush the toilet and you're going to look up and say, I have nothing left. So what are you trying to get accomplished here? Because if we continue to let people bulldoze over you, both personally and professionally, you're not going to be in a place in which, you know, you're not going to be in a safe space. And if you're not in a safe space, you're definitely not in a happy place. If you're not in a happy place, you're not thriving. Um, you're in sports management. You work with athletes, athletic administrators on a very high level. Mm -hmm. Sports is a very pretentious uh, industry. Can be. How 
<laughs> most of the time. How do you balance that out with also knowing that you have value, right? Yeah, I think one of the first things you have to know and understand is that there is some level of humility that has to be led with. Uh, you're not the best. And even if you are the best, you have to be able to continue to work as though you're not, because if you don't continue to work as though you're not, you're never going to reach the goals and the places that you want to be. You're not going to be able to service people to the levels if you know that there is still room for growth. And I think so many different times in life and in business, we get caught up with needing to say, hey, I'm the best, that we constantly have a target on our back. Now, I'm not saying don't be confident. Yes, we need to be confident. But at the same time, you have to have the understanding that, yes, everything can be snatched away from you in a very instance, especially in an industry that is such cutthroat as athletics and athletic representation. So constantly being in a place where you can acknowledge that someone else has value is what has to happen. I heard you say earlier, your, your son, um, talk to me about your legacy. Son. Son. Your, son. Oh yeah. Son. Um, talk to me about the legacy that you are trying to leave with your business and the moves that you're making on a regular basis? Well, I will say uh, the older son, as he's now, uh, and, and he's seen transitions throughout my life uh, and loves sports so much that it's something that you can connect with. But then at the same time, there's a new son. and He is a very baby. So I don't know where things are going to go for him, if you know, even if he'll like sports. But I know it's something that I like. And if there's something that you, be it as a parent, like, you have to also be able to show your kids, I think, that it's okay to jump into an industry that you like, love, and want to be a part of. From that, we, we as parents, you know, everything that we do is you're, you're constantly working to leave a legacy. Are you going to leave a legacy of just money or are you going to also teach something? And I think that's something that's missed sometimes uh, throughout a lot of different cultures is that, you know, you have to and you can't teach something and leave something behind if you don't own it. So I don't know if it's something that they're going to want to jump into, but they're going to have the opportunity. And I think that it first starts with knowing and being able to teach and show, hey, this is something that can be left behind for you, but I'm going to teach you how to do it to the best of my ability. I love that. Now, you are already part of a legacy. You're a member of Phi Beta Sigma. Why Phi Beta Sigma? Talk to me about that. Oh, I joined Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated in spring of 2001 for the simple fact that it was, they were the guys 
on the yard who just looked like everybody. There was never a stigma about the sigmas being just this. And when you look at the definition of, of sigma, it's the sum of all. Why would you not want to be a part of the summation? I love it. I love it. Talk to the people really quick. Let them know how they can get in touch with you, um, yeah. continue to follow your journey, and contact you if they need your services, sir. Yeah. Uh, obviously, wonderfully, uh, social media. Um, it's just Temeskin Star, first name, last name on Instagram, uh, as well as Twitter. Not so much active there. I need to get back on to it. Uh, beyond that, you can email me at tstar at starsportsmanagement.com. And we're always glad to help and look for intentional relationships. Intentional relationships. Be intentional. If you contact this man, make sure you guys are intentional. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time today uh, to talk to our listeners and our viewers. And I hope that you know, once you are a part of the Leaders and Learners family, we will always support you. So when you have something new going on, definitely let us know so we can keep everybody updated and, and follow your journey. And also check out the book. You are not smaller than the room. Do you want to um, let us know really quick, where did that title come from? Oh, that title came from a place in which, you know, I remembered, hey, being able to go into a room, I don't care if everybody has $10 million. I don't care if everybody has, you know, $5. Whatever the situation is, you have to realize that there you have value. And no one person in that room is more important than you are. So when I came up with the title, I said, oh, you know, we're talking about confidence in the book. I just wanted people to know, hey, you are not smaller than the room. So walk in proudly, put your chest up, and enjoy. And go from there. Back to those, really quick, back to those introverts. Do you address that? Because I think there's so many times, even in our industry, in PR and marketing, I think, well, if I'm not an extrovert, I'm not going to be very good at this. Talk yeah. to me about and we talk about the, uh, I call it the, 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 the ladders, the ladder of confidence, the confidence ladder in the book. Mm -hmm. You have to buy the book too. And, and we truly talk to introverts about how they can climb up the confidence ladder and be more confident in walking into every room and utilize it as a time in which they can shine and thrive. I love that. So we'll have the link uh, to the book in the captions. Guys, make sure you get it. If not for yourself, this is a great time to gift um, a book to someone you know needs it. Again, Mr. Starr, I want to thank you for spending time with us. Please stay in touch, stay connected, and keep us up to date on what's going on with you, your agency, and all the cool things, all the intentional things that you have going on. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tanya, for having me. Thank Appreciate you. So listen, guys, don't forget, get the book. The link is going to be in the captions. Be intentional about what you are doing. Stay connected, support him, and 
we'll see you back here soon. Hey, thanks for showing up to the podcast where we all know that the best leaders are lifetime learners. When you get a sec, take a moment, leave a comment. What do you think about today's episode? And share it with someone that you know could use the gems that were dropped today. Follow and subscribe. You don't want to miss who's coming up next. You never know who could show up here and what they could say. For your professional needs, marketing, PR, communications, and leadership, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Sand and Shores or hit us up at sandandshores.com. Again, thanks so much for showing up. We appreciate you and we'll see you soon. Thank mm-hmm. you.